I'm going to talk to you about the joy of the Lord today, and um, I pray this will get in your spirit. You know, every year I, I always want to battle that old bah humbug screwed spirit that runs around and tries to rob the joy of the greatest revelation of love that could ever be, that God gave his life through Jesus Christ for you and me. And I believe the Holy Spirit wants to make that so real to your heart today. And I, I'm just praying God will speak this into your spirit. That you won't just hear a preacher up here today, but the reacher, the power of the Holy Spirit, the one that can bring you joy that's everlasting. Joy that nothing in this world can steal from you. And I pray, Holy Spirit, just come. We welcome him to do that in every one of our hearts. Could you say amen to that? Amen. amen. Uh, as I share with you today, uh, I, I'm going to be sharing several things, and we're going to be, uh, I, no overheads, I, I don't do very well with the overheads, so uh, you've you got notes there, you can write notes, and uh, uh, I, I really hope that will work well for you. I want to say to all of you that are listening online, we're so, th so thankful that we can come and share with you, and we wish you a Merry Christmas, and pray that God will just bless you in a special way. Uh, Pastor Jim and Lisa, if you are listening or someplace where you can listen I, and get this, uh, we miss you today, but uh, hope that all is going well for you, and we're so happy for uh, a grandpa and a grandma that uh, you're going to be. You're going to be a good one. So we come today to celebrate the greatest love story that could ever be, and I pray the Holy Spirit will make this so real as I talk to you about the joy of the Lord. Now, you'll probably see me go up and down on this stool a bit, um, but that's just part of uh, these antique bodies. You know, I, I say that I, I feel like a 2022 Ford or Chevy 4x4 with a V8 engine and everything there, but I'm in a Model A body. And uh, now some of you are not even old enough to know what a Model A is, but uh, that's an old Ford car. And I had one of those, uh, but I believe that the Holy Spirit will so speak to you today because I have no confidence in what I say, but I have every confidence of what the Holy Spirit will speak. And I believe today he'll speak and spark something in your heart about joy that will give you strength in the things that you're going through. But it won't be something that's just for you. It will be so abundant, it will flow through you. You're not made to be a reservoir. You're made to be a river. Out of your innermost being will flow rivers of living water. This is what Jesus spoke of the power of the Holy Spirit that resides in us, and that's his words, and we can count on that. And so if you're going through a difficult time now, I want you to know I'm not talking about the happenstance or happiness that the world offers, because that comes and goes. Joy is not an emotional response. Joy is a mature response to what God says in his word. It's not only loving God, it's trusting the Lord. That's what joy is. That's where you get the kind of joy that's unspeakable and full of glory. That's where you begin to understand the power of the Holy Spirit that resides in your heart. And that's the kind of joy I want to talk about today and make that real in every way. So uh, set your heart, fasten your pew belts, and uh, <laughs> I can't see that clock up there, uh, what it says, and my watch is turned backwards. So if you get up and start leaving, um, then, because I, I heard about a preacher that always put a cough drop in his mouth when he preached, and he had it time. So when the cough drop was done, uh, he knew that was time to stop. But an accident reached in one day, and there was a button in there. And uh, he put that button in his mouth, and uh, he never did get done preaching. But uh, I, I won't do that today. I pray for you, dear family, 
And I, I want to say for Sharon and I and Pastor Jim and Lisa, um, we deeply love you as a church family. Uh, we, we don't say that lightly. And when we say this is a church love built, um, I thought about that this morning as I come up over the hill. And, uh, and Sharon, you know that Paul's the one that said that. He coined that. He come up over the hill one morning for early morning prayer, and he said, there's the church love built. And I want to tell you that so resonated in my heart because it never was about just money. It was about people that would invest in what they believe in. And I, I tell you, I want to thank you for being a giving church. I thank you that you honor the Lord in giving you your tithe and your offering. And your tithe is never about just money. I don't know how you got your money. I work for it. I gave part of my life to get the money I've given. But the area there of an understanding, I'm not giving money. I'm giving my life. I'm investing my life. And it's about trust. God's not trying to get something from you. He's trying to get something to you. And if you learn that principle in your life, it will bless every aspect of your life because there's a spirit that goes with money like nothing else. Jesus says you can't serve God and mamma. Mamma is a spirit. And it wants to rob you of the joy it can be of being a giving person. And give you the whole Bible in two words. He gave. John 3.16. For God so loved the world, he gave. If it was not for that point, that's the end of the story. But God's grace keeps on giving. And he wants to bless you and help you. And as we celebrate this Christmas time, he wants you to realize how much he loves you. Fresh and anew for everything he wants to do. And listen, these are very dark days. But in the mix of that, Jesus has said, you're the light of the world. You're the proof of the truth that God's real. You're the window through which the world can watch and see that God is real. So I want to encourage you to set your heart that way. And if you've got any, any, any bah humbug, screwed spirit about you today, we're just going to flush it away. There's going to be fresh breath of the Spirit of God that's going to blow in this place today, and it's going to blast that away, and you're going to go out with some joy in your heart that lets you do something that makes a difference, and lets you begin to see a perspective about yourself and about others, and begin to understand the joy that God gives is a real deal. It isn't some preacher up there just trying to get you hyped. It's a living hope that's found in the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen. All right. Well, God bless you. You know, I heard Robert Moore say something that I, I thought was so cool. He said, so many Christians today carry the good news of the gospel, but they never deliver it. And you know, you have this good news to give, and the only hope of this world is to be able to see that good news get into hearts that they understand the goodness and the love of God. You can't win a world that you're angry with. And when you see all the sad and bad and mad things that are happening in the world, don't, don't get mad at that. And all, you, you read the news, you can get depressed in a hurry. But see, that's why the Bible is called the good news of the gospel. Gospel means good news. And we have that to give. But if you're caught up with all the things that are happening in the world, you'll never be able to go out and to give what God wants. And here's the real deal that you'll love. When you give... What you give is what you'll get from God. You give out some joy. You give out help. You give out kindness. And that's exactly what you'll get back. But I promise you this. <laughs> you, you'll give out a teaspoonful and you'll get a bushel full. A, a bush, a bushel full. Get my tongue tied. <laughs> I, you thought I was speaking in tongues, didn't you? But uh, the, the whole thing of an understanding of the goodness and the grace of God, he wants you to understand that he'll pour out a blessing you can't contain because there's a world that needs to know how real he is. And God is depending 
upon you. And you see, we think, well, God doesn't need anybody. Well, listen, the God of all power made a decision that he would limit his power to people that he could partner with here on earth to say, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He's counting on us to do that. That's why he said, I'll build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. That's you and me. It's not a building, a denomination, an organization. It's people. So I pray God can make that real in your heart. And as I share with you today, I, I opened my iPad this morning. I thought, well, maybe there'll be something good on there. First thing I got was uh, a thing that I put on there, um, uh, a Snoopy, a Charlie Brown, and it said it had been deleted because it does not meet our standard. And I, I punched it to see which one that was. I thought Snoopy or Charlie Brown couldn't get kicked off of <laughs> Facebook. But it was the one where he has a t-shirt that says, I believe in the power of prayer. That's what it says on the t-shirt. Well, I want to tell you something, folks. I believe in the power of prayer. And I want you to understand God's grace is counting on you of an understanding about prayer. And that prayer and the power of prayer does not reside in you. It resides in the one that you talk to. But if you, if you don't ask, he said, we have not because we ask not. And there's a time that God's looking at the church right now for what we can do to honor him in this world and be able to bring the good news. You know, I, I listened to the, the reading, and I love the Christmas story and all that goes with it. I get so sentimental, and I, I, I've been over to Israel. I remember going to the place where they had the star where Jesus would have been born and all the beautiful things around there. But I, I think sometimes we, we miss the real heart of the story and what is there. You know, when the angel of the Lord came and said, joy to the world, the Lord has come. And when the angel came and, and spoke to Mary and said, Mary, you're, you're highly favored among all women. How many of you uh, were in a family where someone in your family was the favorite? Were you the favorite or your brother, or your sister or somebody else? I want to tell you, I, I'm God's favorite. But you know what? You are too. Isn't that good news? See, everybody is God's favor when you understand God's favor. And the Bible says about Mary, she's highly favored. By the way, it says that Jesus found favor with God in men. It says of the early church, they found favor with God and with men. But can I tell you something about finding favor? Favor is something you're going to need because you're going to have a greater fight. The greater the favor, the greater the fight. Because the enemy wants to stop that. Because out of that favor comes strength. Out of that comes a joy of relationship with a living God. Out of that favor you understand that it's not a temporal life that you just try to get by, but an eternal life. And you understand these light afflictions work for us a far more exceeding eternal weight of glory. Folks, we need to get back to the fact that we're not just looking at what's going on in this life, but a life eternal, that we're going to spend all of eternity with him, that we can live this life as well as we can. But at the end of this life, it really gets good. The places that we were looking for in this life, where there's no sickness, sorrow, nor pain, that's homesickness for heaven. And one day we're going to be there. And if I get there before you do, I'll save you a seat, Okay. And I promise you, though, that today God wants to bless you in a special way. But Mary, I think of her. And it's almost like when we say Merry Christmas. Um, I, I wish you a Merry Christmas like Mary had. <laughs> uh, 
think about that young girl, probably about 15 years old, most theologians think. About 15 years old, and she's told by the Holy Spirit of God that she's going to bear the Christ child. And she didn't squander this. She pondered that in her heart. She didn't know what to say. She's already betrothed to Joseph. He's an, an older man. That's probably why he's not included later on. It was probably an arranged marriage. Um, she's 15 years or so old. And now she's got to go talk to him and explain this. How do you explain that? And what did Joseph do? Joseph said, well, you know, being a righteous man, he was just going to have her put to the side and not make a big deal out of it and shame her because uh, of the shame and the culture of that day of what would come upon her because that she'd have been a total outcast. But all of this going on, and then even, even when all this is going on and happening, and it's time now that we're nearing the time of the birth. Um, you, you ladies will remember this. Men don't understand this at all. But... Uh, uh, I remember being with my daughter Dawn when uh, she was going to give birth to Amy and we were headed for the hospital and she was really, I mean, she was right there. I was hoping I'd get there in time. <laughs> and, uh, and, then, and then she said to me, she said, well, Dad, I changed my mind. <laughs> I said, what? She said, I changed my mind. I, well, I don't think you can do that. Uh, but, you know, the joy that comes after that is wonderful. But here, let me tell you this. Mary is nine months pregnant, and they have to they, they have to travel because of paying taxes. So they got to travel 80 miles on a donkey and nine months pregnant. That you can make about 20 miles a day, but figuring with a, a pregnant lady and bathroom stops, it may have been less than that. Uh, but all of that going on, all of the pain, all the suffering, she had to remember the words that were said about the joy of the Lord. She had to remember about the favor that God is giving in the mix of all of this. She had to remember when she's in a barn and giving birth to the child to be the savior of the world. Probably in between the animals who are there. And if you've been around animals, they don't have good manners. And all of the things that were there to be laid, you know, the swaddling cloth, that was really what they would wrap the body in. That was the things that was there laid in a feed trough. We see a cute little manger and things that there, but it wasn't a pleasant thing. But I want to tell you, in the mix of all of this, there's something that God is doing that is so deep that if you don't look and see what God is saying and what he's doing, you'll miss it. And the Holy Spirit so wants to awaken our hearts in this hour to understand what it is to walk through this life, to be highly favored. But that's so that you can fight the good fight, keep the faith, and be able to live the life that God has called you to. Now, before I really get into the heart of the message this morning and speaking, and I, I will keep some eye on that clock. Uh, I don't know if it'll matter, but um, I'll keep watching for it. But I said to you earlier, I want to thank you for being uh, such a giving church family. And I'm going to share something with you now from uh, Ted Ulbrick, our missionary to um, Cambodia. I got a... a, a an email from him, uh, really a message from him, uh, Monday of this week. And uh, he's up at 2.30 in the morning, and he's wrestling this out with the God that works the night shift. Uh, and, and I'll give you what I, um, some things I want to say, first of all, in response to him, and then I'm going to give you the words that he spoke. 
I want to say to you, first of all, dear church family, when I talk about missions and I talk about kids in other parts of the world, uh, you're, you're the part of a church denomination that is very small compared to most denominations. We have only 1,600 churches here in America. Uh, we have 80,000 churches on the mission field. But now those churches may be uh, in the back of a motorcycle shop in Cambodia, but that's their church, and they gather there, and they worship the Lord. There's like 6,000 churches like this across Cambodia, and God worked that in such a miraculous way. But you've been a part of the heart of giving to missions, and in this last year, you've been part of the heart of seeing over 2 million people come to Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Could we celebrate that? Hallelujah. <laughs> Praise the Lord. You listen, folks, you will never see a greater miracle than the salvation of a soul. If there was a person that was dead and I prayed for them and they were raised up like Lazarus, Lazarus died again. But the understanding, when you reach a lost soul, they're going to live for eternity. Now, the beautiful part about this, of reaching people all around the world, we get to be a part in, in sending and being able to work with that. But I received this note from my dear friend, Ted Ulbrick, of, and he's been my friend for 40 years. Uh, the, if you ever drive through Woodstock, Illinois, you'll see a building just like our Lamb's Door because they used the uh, blueprints from that to build the church that they raised up. It was a church of about 400. Ted was a pig farmer, and God raised him up in ministry. He was working uh, with the Peace Corps, and he met uh, Sue over in Cambodia. She was a princess. But that was back in the days of the Pol Pot reign, which they were killing all those people like that. So they came to America. But they always felt they would go back there. And Lynn and Gary, you'd know more about this than I. You have been there so many times. But the, the, the message that Ted sent out, and uh, as a dear friend of 40 years, is something I want to share with you this morning. I want you to catch the heart of what God is doing there. But I want to catch the heart of what that means to us here. Now, when I think about Ted, I go back to a time uh, when I first met him and when the enemy tried to take him out. He was in the hospital. He'd been in an accident in a car, and the enemy tried to take his life. And Sharon and I were just there at the, or the right moments to pray with him and press through that and see God do an absolute miracle to spare his life. And then uh, I, I had the joy of officiating at his son's wedding. But he sent me this message, and again, this is at 2.30 uh, in the morning, his time. Uh, as I said, it was the, the night shift. He's working, asking the Lord, what am I going to do? And uh, uh, here's what I want to say, first of all, that I sent out. And I put this online. I say, hi, dear friends. I hope all is well with you and your family. Merry Christmas to all of you as we celebrate the greatest love story that was ever told. The first Christmas tree was a cross tree called Calvary, where God greatest, gave the greatest gift that could be. I was in here for prayer the other day. I looked over here. I saw this beautiful tree. Then I looked up there. There's the real deal. The first Christmas tree, where the greatest gift that could ever be, was given on the cross tree of Calvary. On that tree, Jesus pulled himself up and said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. It was on there that he gave the price of his life so you and I could be part of the Father's forever forgiven family for time and eternity so you and I could be blood kin with the blood of Jesus Christ washing away our sin. That's the real deal of that tree up there. I enjoy the beautiful tree. 
But I'll tell you what, with all the decorations and all the gifts, it's an understanding that he hung on that cross and willing to give his life. But I said, I'm sending the email that I received from my dear friend, Ted Oldbrook, our missionary from Cambodia. Ted and Sue went there 24 years ago, and God used their lives to reach over 20,000 and take care of over 20,000 orphans. Their culture considers them a curse because of the parents dying. When the parents die, they think that's a curse becomes, uh, because of the children. So they, the family comes in, kicks them out on the street, takes any material goods they have, and they're sold into slavery or whatever. That's the kind of things they face. And I'll tell you the beautiful thing about this. When Ted and Sue went there, and first of all, one little orphan came and they took care of it, and then two, and then the story just continues and unfolds, and it keeps going. And these little kids, I tell you folks, I hope this gets excited in your soul to realize what God did that really burns the height of the devil. Because God used those little kids that are considered a curse. He reversed that curse. And those little kids, when they found out they're loved and Ted and Sue were there and people were caring about them and loving them, and all of a sudden they have a house where they can go where they're loved. And for every five children, there's a widow to help care for them. They have their own food there. They raise food. They're well-fed. They learn a trade. They can go to school. They can do something in their life. When all of that is happening there, they reverse that curse. They're unstoppable. And those kids in the past 24 years have won one million souls to Jesus Christ. It's one of the greatest miracles. Even, even outside organizations have written about it. It's the greatest revival it's ever been in the sense of it coming through a channel like this. They've never seen it where it would be not just orphans, but orphans that are considered a curse. And God uses them for the greatest miracle, miracle it can be of reaching out and loving so many people alive. And so Ted tells us about this, and, uh, but, he, but he says these words. For, here's his words. I've said more than enough for mine. He says, Hi, Pastor Jim. I pray that you in the open door are enjoying a great Christmas season. I know you've been the most faithful friend of the minister here in Cambodia, and we go back a long ways. I always know you'll do anything you can to help us. I realize times are tough, but we're in the toughest spot we've been in. And prophetically, Sue spoke to me and said, I should write my old friends. And I believe that you're the best friend I've had, so we're going to do what, uh, what we can. So here goes. For the past 24 years, we've ministered in Cambodia and have never been in such a tight spot as we face now. We're squeezed by the local government to close all of our orphan ministry. We successfully navigated our operating memorandum under religious claim about caring for the poor and for the orphans. And the widows and all of that allows, allowed us to keep going. But UNICEF has come in and the dominated organization there, and they're claiming authority to shut that work down. And the thing that they're using to claim that is that children don't have adequate uniforms, shoes, clothes, and books that they should have for going to school. Now, they could care less about that. It's just the fact that I'm saying this frankly. It's just the fact that that would mean more dollars for UNICEF because of taking over a work like that of 2,500 or 3,000. Here's what UNICEF says, though. You cannot teach religious things. Nothing about religion and conversion. You can't teach that. You can't teach about your God-given identity. It has to be what the culture says. Going along with that. And Ted is saying, we have to be able to cover this by the end of the year, they're threatening to shut them down if they don't get this through. 
And, and here's what the need is. It's for 1,500 uniforms for those kids. A, a uniform is $23. Shoes are $7. Books are $5. So for $35, you can equip one child and they can go to school. And that's the thing that we're faced with. And I, I told Ted, I said, Ted, I'm going to do everything I can. One of the things I'm going to do, I'm going to sell my old car. The older one, I'm, at least I can get a little cash out of that. Uh, I, I think it's got a trip to Cambodia left in it. I think it's got, it's only got like 199,000 miles on it. But, <laughs> but, uh, but I'll tell you what, folks. When I think about that, and I think these kids, and I think you dirty devil, you think you can come in and you can stop this work. And I, I say in the name of the Lord, that shall not be. God is greater than this, and greater than UNICEF or any spirit of the world that would try to do that. And folks, I'm not speaking as an emotional response here. I'm speaking out of a deep-seated truth of God's Word, of Him loving these little kids, of God knowing them and using their hearts, and that what the enemy is trying to do to raise up something to harm them and to stop the good news of the gospel going forth in that area, I pray in the name of Jesus Christ that we'll see that blessing. It'll take $52,500 to make that miracle turn around. But I'm going to believe with what we can do in other places that we're sending this around that we're going to see God raise that up. If you like to give, we're going to accumulate it here at the church, get one gift that we can get there right away. I promise you this, Anything you give goes. Nothing is ever lost in administrative cost. I was in on the meetings where we made that decision as an organization. There will never be one cent that's lost for the administrative cost. Everything people give goes. And so I want to encourage you about that. And I have a great passion about that, not just because of my personal relationship with Ted, but I, I think of those kids. I, I came from, I, I know enough about brokenness. I don't know what the kind they do, but I know enough about brokenness, and I've been involved in enough brokenness that I see what the dirty devil will do, and I believe the Holy Spirit will rise up, and in the mix of this that's been intended for harm, God will work great joy and do something so good that it will just display his power, his love, and what God can do and will do when his people just kind of come and show up and let their light shine and that we can overcome what's come against them. Amen? Amen. Well, God bless you. You know, I, I think about that, and I, boy, it, it's been in my spirit so strong, and, and it's not just something that's been there for a short time. From the day I got saved, my greatest goal is to try to reach another soul. From the day I got saved, I worked five and a half days. I spent every Saturday afternoon trying to get people to go to church with me, because church and Jesus are the same to me because it's his church. I believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. I believe every heart is looking for Jesus. They just don't know it. And they need to know the joy that comes with it. There, there's too many joyless churches. There's too many joyless Christians. There's too many joyless families. I wasn't with you for the, the, the month of September. I was in another church, and I, I was preaching. And they let me sit down, too, and they, they said that wouldn't bother them. Uh, I jumped up and down just like I'm doing with you today. 
But I preached with him for, for a month. And I want to say to that dear church, and because it's here in a community, we stand with you because you take it, you've taken a stance to be true to the word of God. And your whole organization may divide over this, but you're going to stay true to the word of God. And I commend you in the name of Jesus. I commend every church in this community and in our nation that's taken a stance because there's so many things that the enemy's doing to say we've got to go along with the culture. But I tell you, we need to stay close to this word. Many people are judging this word right now, but we will all be judged by this word. And folks, I want to encourage you, get back into the Bible and don't just read it. Let it read you. Let it be something so real and alive in your heart. God will make it real in a way that you can then share it with others. I said before, uh, this is the watering of the word is what will flush away so much of this garbage of the world or recycle it. Because the enemy likes to walk in dry places. And I said before, you're not, you're not a, a reservoir. You are the river that God wants to flow in this community to reach lives. But on the last three days of our Lord's life, he gathered his disciples together, and he talks to them, and you can imagine as he's getting ready to leave, he knows what's going to happen, of the kind of words that he would say, what's the most important things that I could say to you right now? Because I'm leaving and you're not going to understand this. They never did understand the resurrection. <laughs> I mean, he told them and told them. They didn't understand it. Matter of fact, when the women came back and said, the tomb is empty, it says the disciples said it was like a fairy tale. They didn't believe it. And even after that, after he appeared to them, after the resurrection, they, said the, they came to Jesus and said, are you going to restore uh, Israel so we can rule over Rome? They're talking about political power. Listen, politicians are never going to get this right. We need to understand that we will take the power of the Holy Spirit of God. I want to tell you the agenda, the woke that's working in this world today is a revival of evil because there's not been an awakening in the church of Jesus Christ. And the Apostle Paul said, it's high time to awaken for our salvation is near. The night is far spent. Folks, we need to get our hearts together and get beyond all these things that we stumble over and use them as stepping stones to the higher place to what God wants to do by the power of the Holy Spirit. Don't wait for somebody else to do it. Let it happen in you. Let God work in you. Let him give you a joy that gives you strength for whatever you face that you can embrace that joy. Again, it's not a, an emotion, a feeling that you just sense, I'm happy. I do love what the Bible says. Happy are the people whose God is the Lord, but it's not happenstance. It's joy, genuine joy. You know, Jesus, it says about Jesus, our Lord, it says he endured the suffering of the cross, that first Christmas tree, because of the joy that was set before him. What was that joy? Do you remember the day you got saved? That was his joy. Do you remember he said, not my will, but thine be done. Lord, if there's any other way, let this come. Nevertheless, not my will. There was a joy that was set before him for the fact that he could bring the father a family because of the brokenness, the deception that has happened in heaven that that dirty devil was able to deceive the angels of heaven and one third of them fell. And that's what we deal with all the time, the demon power that those angels become. But God, by the power of the Holy Spirit, wants you to know there's two-thirds of the angels didn't fall. Those angels are there ministering on to you as an heir of salvation. You rejoice in that. Be glad in that. And I pray, young people, that you'll know how much God loves you. 
and what you can do and what you can do with your life and that you find the purpose of life before you lose it, that you really won't let the world tell you what your identity is because you need to live and move and breathe and have your being in Jesus Christ. He's the one that created you. He's the one that loves you. He's the one that came for you. He's the one that's coming again for you. And God, by the power of the Holy Spirit, wants to bring an awakening in the church so that we understand that that we really come to the point of being able to see the power of his love. And it gets darker, then that's when the light will shine brighter. It talks about in the book of Joel, how it gets to where things are so bad, it seems like everything's failing all around. But then it doesn't stop there. In Joel chapter 3, it says he's going to bring the rain. Everything was so dry, everything. It says the joy of the sons of men had withered away. It was just dry and barren. The devil walks in dry places. But it goes on to say, and it's prophesied in the book of Joel, in the last days I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. And he talks about this great outpouring and revival. And see, that was uh, a uh, a uh, prophecy of when the church would be birthed on the day of Pentecost. So I want to encourage you to realize that even though when things seem dry and desolate and they're bad in that way when we look in the world, that we have the Spirit of the living God and He's pouring forth His Spirit in this day and hour and He wants to be able to touch your life. He wants to be able to revive things in you and restore things in you. And it's like the Apostle Paul sitting in prison and he's sitting there with all these things as far as he knows, he's going to lose his life. But Paul says, and please you got to be real with people in the Bible because of the fact sometimes we think, well, you know, as we look back, we think, well, why didn't you make this decision? Why didn't you do that? Or, uh, it's so wonderful to see you were so happy. And, uh, but I, I kind of think it was like this when we read the book of Philippians. It was like Paul was saying, rejoice in the Lord always. And I think the Holy Spirit said, hit it again, Paul. <laughs> and again, I say rejoice. Billy Graham said, if I'm only a Christian when I feel like it, he said, I wouldn't be a Christian half the time. Listen, folks, it's not what we feel. And I promise you, if you'll come and lift up holy hands without wrath and without doubting, you'll never, ever go away empty-handed. God will put something in your hands that will come back into your heart, and it'll flow out of your hands so you can reach out and touch other people. You can lay hands on people and do something so good by the grace of God that makes a difference. And that joy is the strength of our salvation. Nehemiah 8.10, the joy of the Lord is your strength. If you're out of strength, you need to get some joy. You need to allow that to be in your heart. And that's something you have to make a choice. I always think when Daryl Scott was here with us, and if you remember Daryl from the Columbine shooting, that first shooting in the nation that was so bad where children were killed, and his dear daughter and son were both there at school that day. And uh, he, of course, when he heard about the shooting, uh, and this is in Colorado, as I said, he heard about the shooting, he uh, immediately went to the school, and they couldn't get in, they couldn't find out what was happening with their children, and the tremendous pressure that was on all these families there, uh, gathering together, and knowing that uh, there's children that had lost their lives. What a horrible scene it was. And then he received word that, one of the children that they had found that was uh, killed was his daughter. And then he heard how it happened. 
his daughter, when the shooter came up to her, said, do you believe in God? And Rachel said, yes, I do. And he said, go be with him. And he shot and killed her. Then he turned the gun toward um, Daryl's son, who was hiding underneath the counter. And he pointed it at him, but he didn't pull the trigger. And Daryl said, that day, I had to learn a lesson from God that was so difficult. He said, I had to learn to be a see-thrower, not a look at her. I had to see through that. The tragedy of the loss of the life of my daughter. But God spared my son of the, of the, of the grief that was there but also of the joy that his son was spared. He could have lived the rest of his life being bitter because that happened. And even though his daughter gave that confession and she went to be heaven and he knew that, he could have been a bitter dad, but he chose to do something better. And he decided to make that great pain his pulpit. And he, became, he came before the congressman and he told him what we need to do in our schools. And it's not about guns. It's about what we're feeding, the heart and lives of our children, what we're pouring into them, all the violence we're pouring in and then expecting not, nothing to come out of that. He went, went around to the high schools, hundreds of thousands of students that he spoke to and told them and let them know about the love of Jesus Christ. I want to tell you, we need in this day, dear church, to be a people that can see through what's going on, not just reacting to things, but an understanding to see through that and be able to understand of God's grace, not just looking at things and reacting, but seeing through it and giving God a, a chance to do something good in the mix of all the things that are bad. The power of the Holy Spirit can work that, but we have to make that choice. It's not a feeling. It's not an emotion. It denies everything the flesh would want, but it gives God the opportunity to do something so good. And listen, he's never the one that's blame, to blame He's the one that always does the good in the midst of all the garbage in the world. He wants to take it and recycle it. That's what he did for my life. My life was garbage and I gave it to God and he recycled it and I'm still a Christian under construction just like you. I want to hang a sign on me that says danger, God at work. But listen, I also, I know we can do what God calls us to and out of that we'll see something good. And we can help one another, build one another up as the body of Christ. And listen, there's no perfect people. If you ever find the perfect church, there won't be any people in it. You have to understand the power of the Holy Spirit working in each one of us and the power of what it is when we pray. If you want to understand real joy, and this is what Jesus talks to him about in John chapter 15. And I'm reading from verse 9 and... and uh, uh, when, I, when I get going here sometimes, if I repeat anything, uh, it's kind of like rejoice again, okay? <laughs> but Jesus with his disciples says this, As the Father loved me, so have I loved you. Continue in my love. If you keep my commandments, you'll abide in my love, even as I've kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, that your joy might be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Please catch this. He talks about my joy, then your joy. Many times I've come with my joy before I got his joy, and it doesn't work. I have to come to the Lord 
and ask for the joy of the Lord. Lord, fresh and anew, I need that joy in my heart. I want to come back. Do you remember when you first got saved? Do you remember when you first met that special person and the joy you had? I mean, everything was so wonderful. That joy just covered everything. But see, that joy that God wants us to be able to understand and know, it's joy of the Lord. If you don't get the joy of the Lord, yours will never be full. And you'll begin to look in the wrong places to fill it. I love to read about David in the Bible. He's, he's such a great guy. I love to read about David and Goliath and what he did and go out there and smack that big guy and knock him down. <clears throat> Listen, when I see that picture of what it was, that Goliath coming out every day defying the, the people of God, and they were shaking, they were all dressed up in their armor and no place to go because they were afraid. That giant came out and mocked him every day. And he was not only mocking them, he was mocking their God. And David comes out there as a little shepherd boy. He's just bringing out lunch to his brothers. And he hears this guy, and he hears him talking about God and about defying God. And he said, he said what, what are you letting that blabbermouth talk for? And his brothers really got upset with him and said, you go home, kid, get out of here. You don't know what's going on here. But see, David knew something they didn't about the power of what God can do. Because out there as a shepherd boy, a bear came and tried to kill one of the sheep. He killed a bear. A lion came and wanted to kill the sheep. He killed that lion. Now, he knows the power of the Spirit of God was not in him just in a little shepherd boy that could take a lion and kill it. He knew what it was to have the power of the Lord come upon his life and destroy what's trying to destroy something that, that he has to protect and care for. And he comes there and he defies Goliath. And I love to read the story because I want to tell you when he slung that stone, he just thought Goliath is so big I can't miss him. But it was the power of the Holy Spirit that hit that guy at the one place where he didn't have any armor. That one place that put him down. And, and all of a sudden, that army that stood there every day and listened to this blasphemous mouth that was talking and putting down the children of God. That mouth was there making them afraid every day. All of a sudden, when they saw that happen, they rose up and they had the, the grace and the power and the strength to go and defeat the enemy because they saw what that little boy could do. And I don't know if you've ever read this and, and picked up on this, but by the time they got done, he's still carrying Goliath's head around. He wanted him to know the power of the Holy Spirit that's there. He said, I come against you in the name of the Lord of hosts. And he had that power. But later in life, he failed. He fell. And that's where I get saddened. And, you know, when I think about David, uh, I think of Psalms 51. Because it's probably been the most read through, prayed through scripture for anybody that's ever had a moral failure in their life. And he talks about coming to the Lord and asking God to work in his life. We even sing about it. We say, create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a right spirit in me. I would sing for you, but I sing in, I sing in prison songs. I'm, I'm behind a few bars and I don't have any keys. Uh, <laughs> but uh, but the, uh, I had to lighten things up for a moment, okay? But I, I think about the, the fact of David going through this. And he comes to the Lord and he says this amazing thing. He said, Lord, against thee and thee only have I sinned. And I thought, David, that's not true. You, you sinned against this woman. There's a little baby came into the world and short-circuited back to you. A husband is killed. 
all of that, you sinned against them. But I want to tell you this. There would have never been a woman. There would have never been a baby. There would have never been a husband had he not sinned against the Lord first. Every time you and I commit sin, it's because we've given in to a counterfeit of some kind. You see, uh, sin is counterfeit joy. And when you lose the joy of the Lord and the joy in your relationships, you start looking for a counterfeit, and it'll be there. And that's what happened to him. And that understanding that he's crying out, Lord, take not your Holy Spirit from me, create in me a clean heart, O God. But here's the, here's the bottom line. What got him into trouble? And it's still there for every one of us today. He said, restore unto me the joy of my salvation. That's what he lost. And when you get back to the fact that we can restore the joy in our life and God can cause us even in our greatest failure to rise up again and bring joy to his name. That's what the Holy Spirit so wants to do for us today, to understand that kind of power, that kind of joy. And if you have to restore it, then come and say, Lord, restore that joy. I've lost it. Even if you come and you be like Paul and say, well, restore my joy. Oh, hit it again. Restore my joy. Bring that back in my life. And again, God, by the power of the Holy Spirit, will do that. The enemy will do everything he can to get you away from that because he knows that that will weaken you. And I believe the Holy Spirit of God wants to arise in the church today and give us an understanding of having that clean heart, that power of the Holy Spirit working in and through us. When I think about these little kids over in Cambodia, they got the kind of joy you can't stop. It isn't because of the circumstances, it's because of the culture of, that's created by knowing the love of Jesus Christ. I believe the Holy Spirit of God wants us to understand that. Zephaniah 3.17 says, The Lord in the midst of thee is mighty. He will save. He will rejoice over you with joy. He, you will rest in his love. He will joy over you with singing. The picture here is a father coming to a little child and picking that little child up and just swinging him around, and singing over that child, and dancing with that child. And do you know that there's times that the Lord was so loved that you would come into his presence, because in his presence is the fullness of joy, the Bible says. And you come into his presence, and he can come like a father, and pick you up, and love you. He can pick you up out of the mess, and make a miracle. He can pick you up and lift you up out of the times that you're depressed and down. Lift you up and let you know how much you're loved. And that power of his love can come into your heart fresh and anew for all that he wants to do. I pray, Holy Spirit, make that real. Amen, church. Amen. I tell you, the Holy Spirit of God wants to make these things so real to all of us. When, when I think about this and I, I think about all that is going on in the world and... <laughs> Uh, I think, Lord, I, I'm getting close to the jumping off point. And I've said before, I, I don't want to die old. I want to die empty. I want to pour out everything I got. And listen, what I've got is no good unless it's from him. What I've got to give you or anybody else, unless it's under the touch of the Holy Spirit of God, uh, it may have good intentions, but it won't accomplish what I really want, or what he wants. And that's the most important thing of all. And I think of the Apostle Paul when he said, I, I want to be sure I finish this course with joy. Because there's so many things, please, please remember this, church. The world doesn't remember how you start, how you run the race. They only know how you finish. 
And so we need to fight the fight and keep the faith and know that there's a crown that's laid up for us. And if we need to get some things corrected in life, God will do that. I'm going to close quickly with this. When Jesus speaks to the church in the book of Revelation, and he says, you know, church, I've seen your works. You've done good things, and you, you did this. Oh, he says about five or six good things to them. Would you like to have the Lord come along and tell you about five or six good things about you? I, I would really like that. But then he said, I have somewhat against you. Well, that, that bothers me just a little bit. I'd say, look, can we just go back up here a little bit? Could, could I put a period there when you were just saying good stuff, you know? But he said, I have somewhat against you. You've lost your first love. And the reason you lose it is because of joy. And you've lost your first love. See, he commends you. Then he corrects you. Now, most of the time in the world, we try to correct one another. And very, very few people can give correction without it coming across as rejection. And sad to say, many times that's what it is. But God, he comes and he commends you. And then he says, but here's something I want to correct because it's going to hurt you and it's going to rob us of a whole lot of things here. And he corrects that. And when he begins to perfect that in your life, perfect in the Bible, adjust and repair, I'm going to repair that. And then he will change things in your life. Now there's the part that's difficult. I love the part that says, if my people, I'm one of them, are you? If my people, I'm one of them, are you? Amen. Will humble himself. Will you humble yourself? I will. Will you pray? Yes, I will. Will you seek my face? I will. Will you forsake your wicked ways? And that word wicked means twisted, just like wicker furniture. Truth has got twisted in your life. And God wants you to know he wants to straighten it out. He'll straighten out the crooked place in your life. He'll take the places where you got hurt and you tried to heal your own heart and it's never been right. And God wants to go back. He'll re-break it, but he'll make it something that you've been wishing for all your life. It'll set you free like you've never been. That's the power of what God's love will do. The love of God will will cover a multitude of sin but it doesn't cover it to hide it it covers to heal it and God wants to work some healing and out of this joy if you let that spirit come in he'll begin to reveal and heal some things in your heart you'll find first love coming back you'll find it a joy to come into the presence of the Lord again you won't feel like it's a duty that you have to pray you'll find out it's a delight to be able to come and come in his sight and worship him and know that goodness and that grace and then God gives you a crown he said, you know what I'm going to let you rule and reign with me right now. Because God made a decision. He said, you know, when he said, I'll build my church to the gates of hell will not prevail against it, that's you and me. And the fact is, he made a decision. He made a decision that he needed you. He made a decision that he would impart and he would uh, be able to give us that power of love to be a church here on earth to bring his will from heaven. And if we can follow that, we can see God do marvelous things. I'm going to close quickly with a story that I shared in first service. And uh, I got about three stories I'd like to tell you, but this is, this is the one that I, I felt the Holy Spirit led my heart to say today. Uh, it was Christmas Eve, and I want to tell you, I love Christmas. When that old bah humbug screwed spirit tries to get a hold of Jim, I just say, you know what, you, you have to go another place. You don't belong here. 
And uh, it was Christmas Eve. Uh, we we're looking forward to a time with the kids and the family on Christmas. But I, I got a call late in the night, and I do mean late. I, I, and I don't do well late in the night. I don't know about you. <laughs> but it was, can you come up to the hospital? And uh, they said, we, we, we have a, a tragic situation here, and we have the, uh, the emergency room there is just packed out with people, and people are so upset and so grieving. And can, can you come up and, and see if you can help? Because we, we don't know what to do with this situation. And so I got in the car. I want to tell you all the way there, I'm praying, because I, I know I'm nothing unless Jesus does something. I, I, I'm without him, I'm, I'm nothing. I know that. I really do. And I don't know what to say in the situation because this is a crib death. A, a little tiny child. And I, I pulled up in the parking lot and there's a young man standing out in the parking lot and he's shaking his fist and he's cursing God for that little child dying on Christmas Eve. I walk past that and then I walk in and there are just people all over and there is cursing and uh, yelling and all the things that are going on and then I work through that group and I get to the little mom that's sitting there holding that little baby and I said well will you give me your little baby and uh, she handed that little life to me and of course that little life had gone home. But I, I said, I'm going to dedicate this little child on the Lord. I want you to be quiet. And it was like the breath of the Holy Spirit just blew in that room. And the silence just went all, all about. I didn't have to shout or anything. The Holy Spirit just hushed everybody. Because there's something that Jesus wanted to do. He heard the grief of that little mother. He heard the young man out there cursing and thinking this is something he did. He heard all these other things going on. Every bit of it. But he had something to say to him. And I took that little child. I dedicated that little child to the Lord. And I told about the fact, this little child is more alive than we are. This little child's there. And mommy, one day, you're going to hold this little one again in heaven. This is a temporary thing. And it's a sad thing. And it's a grieving thing. And I want to tell you what. Jesus weeps with you for this loss. But it's not the end of the story. And I, and I brought a lot into that prayer and people listened. And then I talked with the mom and dad when I got done praying. And I, I led the mom and dad to the Lord. They both received the Lord. And I mean, it was real. It wasn't just out of the heat of the moment, or the, the emotion of the moment. And as I was sitting there talking to them, the young man that had been outside that was venting against God and so angry at God, he was watching and he was listening. <laughs> and he looked at me and he said, I want to do that too. And I had the joy of leading that young man to the Lord. And dear church, only Jesus can do that. Only Jesus can do that. No preacher, no teacher. But I tell you, church, we got to show up. We got to show up. When I saw what was happening there, my flesh would have been glad to go back and get in the car and leave. Say, I can't, I, I don't know. I, I didn't have anything to offer. But I want to tell you, give Jesus a chance, would you? Give Jesus a chance to work through you. I'll tell you, you'll never get any greater joy than seeing another person come to the Lord. Would you actually like to bring some joy in heaven? The Bible says when one soul 
comes to Jesus Christ, there's rejoicing in the presence of the angels. I'd like to be a part of bringing that rejoicing. That's why I share with you about the orphans or anything we're doing that way too. Because I, I want heaven. I love what Reinhard Bunke says. We, we want to plunder hell to populate heaven. And church, we can do it. I want you to decide, I'm going to get the kind of joy that lets me live the kind of life that makes a difference, however long that is. And God, by the power of the Spirit, will honor that. He'll work that in your life. And I encourage you, read the book of Philippians. Read when Paul's in prison, and he's talking about joy all the time. But see, he saw past the prison. He was in the prison, but the prison wasn't in him. Joseph's own family put him in the pit, but God put him in the palace. I want to pray with you, church, and here's what I'm going to pray. I pray that I can pray a prayer by the very breath of the Spirit of the living God, that a newfound joy comes in your heart and it begins to happen in your home. I'm not saying this as a preacher. I'm saying this by the power of the Holy Spirit of God that he wants to reach in and he wants to rip out some things that have been so heavy upon your heart and he wants to replace it with a joy and a strength that only he can give. Holy Spirit of God, I speak that and I pray in the name of Jesus that you will come and Holy Spirit, that you will be shed abroad in every heart and every home and Lord, that there's a sound that it's become a distant sound in some of our hearts, in some of our homes. Lord, sometimes we lost the joy even of going to church and rejoicing that we had the honor to worship you. God, restore that, bring that back in our hearts, Lord. And God, I pray we'll make a difference. I pray, Holy Spirit of God, that in the midst of all the darkness, Lord, we will let the light shine all the brighter. Lord, I speak joy into every heart into every home and I thank you that that joy is sealed by the Holy Spirit of God and Lord will begin to let that joy flow out of us to lives that we meet that we can make a difference I believe for that I thank you for that in the name of Christ our Lord and everybody said Amen